So the inflation pressure sort of uh, has been focused in shelter and in food, and of course those are necessities, so that has hit the lower income earners the hardest. But the latest cost of living indexes that Stats New Zealand put out show, um, of course, that interest costs are rapidly rising as an expense, and that is actually more for the higher income earners, because the lower income earners are well and truly locked out of the housing market. Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the NZX Opening Bell Podcast. Uh, my name is Doug Vrame and I'm here with my colleague Sarah Minhenik. And today we're happy to have uh, Sharon Zollner from ANZ join us and uh, we appreciate her taking the time. Just a quick background on Sharon if you don't know who she is. Uh, she's the um, Chief Economist at ANZ Bank. Sharon joined the economic team in 2010 and became the Chief Economist in late 2017. She started her career as a macroeconomist at the Reserve Bank of New Zealand in 1998 and has also worked at the Central Bank of Norway. So welcome, Sharon. Thank you. So we thought we would just get started with a real high level kind of question for listeners that may not be super up to speed on things. But can you give us an idea of what we're obviously hearing about a lot about inflation and interest rates and fears and housing markets? But can you kind of take a step back and say what what is what's kind of changed or what has caused this or why? Why are we talking about this now where we weren't in, you know, a year ago? Yeah, well, the world has changed uh, really abruptly in ways that really have, has taken everyone by surprise, uh, including central banks. So, you know, back a year ago, actually, that was when the Reserve Bank of New Zealand did its first hike, actually, uh, was in October 2021. And that was quite notable because they were one of the first central banks globally uh, to actually start raising rates. Other central banks were still very much in a mindset that um, the, the bottom could fall out of the economy any second, so it was still sort of foot flat to the floor on trying to stimulate growth. Uh, but New Zealand had a better run through the COVID period than many other countries. We had the closed border, but we didn't. Ha we pretty much skipped the Delta wave. We had lockdowns causing huge volatility, but we had massive fiscal stimulus to get us through that. And we had a housing market going crazy. Um, so we actually saw inflation pressures emerge here first. The economy bounced back. The labour market bounced back. The, the consequences of this building boom went first into construction cost inflation and then broadened from there really into everywhere and everything and wages and and but New Zealand's actually been uh, ahead of the game globally so there's actually been huge interest in the New Zealand economy and in the Reserve Bank of New Zealand in particular um, as a canary in the coal mine for where the US Federal Reserve in particular might go and it actually turned out to be a very very accurate canary um, and and so it's been really a fascinating time to be a New Zealand economist. There's just a huge global audience for the Reserve Bank of New Zealand at the moment. Mm. Yeah, there's been a lot going on and um, it's good to hear you mention the Reserve Bank. And so if we talk a little bit about what the Reserve Bank does, you know, it does have this dual mandate to achieve um, low and stable inflation and that's supposed to be between 1% and 3% and also to support maximum sustainable unemployment. And clearly we've got very low unemployment sitting around 3.3%. Um, but our inflation is is very high and I, you know, when I was preparing for today's conversation, I thought, oh, I'll just pull up the CPI numbers and I had to scroll back to June 1990 to see sort of inflation numbers this high and so I went into a little sort of nice little reverie about 1990 and Teenage Ninja Turtles and, you know, Nintendo 64s and just being a kid and all that good stuff. But um you know, it was it was quite a different environment. You know, last time we saw inflation numbers this high, you know, we had a much smaller population, we had much higher unemployment. Um, so, you know, 
what what has sort of changed with that relationship with the RBNZ and, and how is this different to last time when we saw a high inflationary climate? Yes, I suspect your parents wouldn't remember 1990s fondly as you do. Uh, <laughs> we had the sesquicentenary, tough word to say, but we also had a humdinger of a recession. Mm. And that was what broke the back of that inflation. It mm. was obviously no one was intending uh, for that to happen and unemployment to, to go double digit, but it certainly did break the back of inflation. And so you don't want to be in a situation where that's what you need to do mm. um, to get inflation down. And so that's why um, even though the Reserve Bank's been hiking rates uh, for a year now, there's still a sense of urgency about what they're saying and doing uh, to get ahead of this inflation game so that they don't lose their credibility. Because once you get into that situation that we were in in 1990, which was that no one really believed inflation was going to come down again, uh, it, it takes an awful lot of damage to the real economy, a large rise in unemployment to actually change that expectation. Um, whereas if people believe that inflation will come down, that the Reserve Bank will do what's required, then the cost of actually achieving that is lower. So that's the, the difference between now and then is that hopefully the Reserve Bank does have that credibility, but, you know, credibility is a form of trust and like any form of trust, it's hard won and easily lost. Um, and the Reserve Bank in its own review of monetary policy quoted a survey they got done of a 1,000 households, what are the odds of, New of us being able to get inflation down uh, to 2% by 2024 and the resounding answer was fat chance. Now, of course, they're really trying to persuade businesses because businesses set prices. But consumer inflation expectations really matter too when the labour market is really, really tight. And when you hear about unions getting a 12% pay increase this year, um, you've got to think inflation expectations were a huge, huge part of that. Uh, and 7% next year. So, you know, our rhetoric has changed from we're at risk of a wage price spiral to we are in a wage price spiral. So that, again, adds to that sense of urgency for the Reserve Bank to head this off before inflation, high inflation becomes completely normalised. Mm. So when you look at how, how, I guess, banks around the world may kind of deal with this and how quickly they raise rates, the fear is they don't want to go too high, although it might be the right thing to do, but it could spiral out of control. So how do they kind of manage this in a way that doesn't just kind of crush everyone and people can still live and pay their mortgage. Um, and what are some of the other consequences of doing that, of raising rates and, and trying to get inflation down that um, can affect? Well, that's what's fascinating, actually, because divergence is emerging. Uh, so there was divergence initially when the Reserve Bank of New Zealand was early out of the gate because inflation pressures emerged here first. And then everyone was on the same page, raising rates at double or even triple speed or even quadruple in some cases. So it was all hands on deck. Uh, but now we're starting to see a bit of divergence again, including between uh, New Zealand and Australia, which is very interesting because the CPI inflation data looks very similar and, and the labour market tightness looks very similar as well. So in macroeconomics, we just never get controlled experiments. But this is perhaps the closest thing I've seen for a while, which is huge fun as an economist to watch and see what happens because <laughs> we <laughs> never have the counterfactual. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but essentially, the Reserve Bank of Australia sounds a lot more 
confident that they are not going to have a lot of wage pressure emerge because um, up until the last read, at least, the wage pressure has been surprisingly weak, whereas here in New Zealand, we've had a year now of wages surprising on the upside. And I guess we're all extrapolating, um, which is kind of the best thing you can do, forecasting economics. Um, and and so that that's going to be a particularly interesting one to watch. Uh, then you've got the Bank of England, who have, have got a, an energy shock that really is akin to the 1970s. And when that sort of thing happens, your policy choices are really unpleasant. Basically, those very high household energy bills are sending their economy, uh, their households into a total spin. And then the central bank's got this dilemma. Are we supposed to raise rates and put even more pressure on households to get inflation down when they're already hurting so much? You know, that's just a horrible set of choices. And so uh, we've we've seen them um, backing off a little bit in some of their rhetoric. But the fact is their inflation is double digit and they're going to have to respond to that if they don't want to go roaring straight back to the 1970s again. So New Zealand's in a much better position than that. You know, our energy shock's been minimal, actually. The oil price went up and then it came yeah. down again. And yeah. our, our gas and electricity prices are pretty much decoupled from the rest of the world because we can't export our natural gas and we've got the hydropower. So um, so we're, we're lucky in that regard. But, but obviously, I don't think the Reserve Bank would say they've got an easy time of it at the moment with the situation they're facing. Yeah. And if we think about the impacts of that inflation as we go forward, um, you know, and, and big chunky sectors of the economy that do affect a lot of people, housing and consumer, um, what are sort of your, your predictions on the next six months to 12 months um, about how that's going to play out and how that's going to affect people? And can you talk a bit about, you know, whether you think that the inflationary pressures are being borne equally across society or who is being more affected? What are you seeing? Yeah, so the inflation pressure sort of uh, has been focused in shelter and in food. And, of course, those are necessities. So that has hit the lower income earners the hardest. But the latest cost of living indexes that Stats New Zealand put out show, um, of course, that interest costs are rapidly rising as an expense. And that is actually more for the higher income earners because the lower income earners are well and truly locked out of the housing market. Um, so so those different aspects are affecting people differently. Uh, but, you know, with CPI inflation at 7.2%, there wouldn't be anyone who's unaffected by that. However, average hourly earnings in the last read in Q3 were up 8.6%. So in New Zealand, real wage growth is now positive again. Mm. Uh, and we're quite unusual internationally in that regard. Most households are still going backwards. And so it's a really interesting situation because, you know, the um, cost of living is higher, interest rates are higher, house prices have fallen 12% so far, and yet spending is holding up remarkably well. And that just shows you if you've got a really strong labour market with strong wage growth and very strong job security, we've got a record high proportion of people saying they think the odds of them losing their job is, is negligible to zero. Mm. Uh, then people do feel comfortable carrying on spending. And while on the one hand that resilience is very welcome and the Reserve Bank sort of puts it in those sorts of uh, that sort of light when they're talking about financial stability, it's a little bit unhelpful when you're trying to get people to spend less to get inflation pressure down. So how the Reserve Bank feels about that resilience depends a bit on which hat they're wearing. Mm. I'm just thinking about from an individual consumer point of view and what you can do kind of to combat inflation and we talk about um, interest rates rising and people starting to feel the pain of that. At some point, did they track what percentage of New Zealanders have one year floating versus five year? And, and when would there be some, I guess, forecasted pain there? And, and how much 
higher would rates have to go before people kind of stop spending mm. because their mortgages are going up, at least the people that own homes. That is the dilemma for the Reserve Bank. Do they just have to wait and see the impact of what they've done or do they need to do more? Um, and so about 50% of mortgages are going to roll over in the next 12 months right. and they're going to roll off from 2 point something or 3 point something onto 6 point yeah. something. So it's, it's a pretty significant yeah. change. Um, however... If their if their wages have gone up eight point six percent, then it's not going to hurt as much as the Reserve Bank probably thought it was going to a year ago. And so it's not that they're not getting traction; it's just that the wheels are slipping a little bit. And I think that and that's why you've seen them hike hike faster. It's not; yeah. it's just that they're not wanting to do more damage to the economy. It's just that the interest rate that slows things down is, is getting higher because the whole economy is flating, inflating. So you need to talk, think about it in, in real interest rate terms. We've had so many years of low and stable inflation that that distinction between nominal and real isn't really something we've had to think about mm. too hard. But now with inflation running around seven and wage growth running close to nine, there, there's a big, big difference. So a 5% official cash rate, say, um, in a high inflation, high wage world is not as scary as a world with, say, 1% inflation and 3% wage growth. It's quite different. Yeah. And so we just need to change our mindset a little bit. I was saying uh, before Sarah goes that we were, I mean, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about negative interest rates and deflation was the, the fear. Nobody could ever, will we ever have inflation? And now, yeah, how quickly it, it turns. So, mm. uh, But yeah, so it, it is, a monetary policy isn't fair. It's a very blunt instrument. Yeah. And, of course, in the economy there's debtors and there's savers. And the debtors, of course, there's a big distribution of debt. And it's not random. It's the you know the younger first-home buyers who are yeah. sitting there with the largest debt. And they'll be the most stressed out at the moment, for sure. But it's also just worth bearing in mind that unexpected inflation actually benefits borrowers. It inflates away their debt if they can hang on and make the mortgage payments in the meantime. It actually is savers who tend to get punished by unexpected inflation. And in the 70s, that was people who had locked their savings away for ages in a very low-yielding term deposit, say. That, that's not really a thing at the moment because term deposits have fallen out of favour with interest rates being so low. But um, bonds are now absolutely getting clobbered. And that's kind of the, the wholesale equivalent of a term deposit, mm -hmm. except you're lending to the government rather than to a bank. And so, so you're seeing um, supposedly less risky uh, portfolios taking quite a whack, yeah. and that's because of the unexpectedly high inflation. So there is hope for the millennials as <laughs> the upshot. Let's take a glass <laughs> half full view of this. Yes, it's very uncomfortable being in negative equity, but only 2% of people are at yeah. the moment, so it's not a reason for the Reserve Bank to stop, yep. particularly since job security is excellent, wage growth is strong. Very few people are going to have to realise that loss, and then very few people in a must-sell situation. And if people can hang on, then, you know, a couple of years from now, their real debt is not going to be as high as it was. Yeah. But you've got to get through that period of higher mortgage rates, and that, that could be tough for yeah. some. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So I'm just hearing buckle up for all the, <laughs> all the millennials out there. Um, you know, stay the course, do what you have to do. Um, Sharon, thank you very much for sharing your expertise and your insights. It's always fascinating to hear you speak on any of these topics. We are doing um, a more educational series on, on, on things like inflation and other topical things that are out and happening in the economy. So if there is anything that people would like to know more about, please do send a note to communications at nzx.com. Thank you. The information provided in this podcast is a guide and is intended for general information purposes only. 
The information is not investment advice. The information should not be relied upon as a substitute for detailed advice from a professional advisor. The podcast may contain opinions or forward-looking statements and actual results may vary from what is expressed in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of NZX. NZX Limited is not liable for any loss suffered through relying on the information in this podcast. NZX makes no warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information in this podcast. All intellectual property rights in the content of this podcast are owned or used under license by NZX and NZX's written consent is required to use, redistribute or reproduce the content or use it to create other works.